Welcome to this sixth season of Harvest Series, a podcast following a four-day experience in Kaplankaya on the southwestern Asian coast of Turkey, filled with fascinating talks and workshops to harvest knowledge and nurture the planet, an event produced by Athena Advisors and Capital Partners. Well, let's say if we're sitting and we're in the presence of other people and having like a cocktail gathering, music is playing in the background and we're talking about light stuff, nothing serious. As we're talking, we become influenced by the music. After a while, you start to see people nodding their head, tapping the hand, the feet, that's entrainment. Uh, it means the music that they're listening to is changing how they feel inside. The physics of sound, acoustics, and all the attributes of what is part of the music is affecting how they're being on the mental, emotional, physical, energetic, and spiritual level. The more attention they have to that music, the more they're being entrained. Like in churches and synagogues and mosques, they use music to help people go inward and feel God, experience God. Music in a film entrains you. It puts you in a different mood. So yeah. that's the function of music, that it changes our being, it helps us change our mind. I'm Rose, a French journalist based in Barcelona. And this episode is an interview made in Kaplankaya with the sound healer Alexandre Tanous. Alexandre performed classical, jazz, rock and world music and investigated therapeutic and esoteric properties of sound from three different perspectives. Western scientific, Eastern philosophical and shamanic societal beliefs. In this episode, we'll discuss how sounds can affect human consciousness. Hello, Alexandre. Hello, Rose. So you are a sound meditation facilitator. Maybe for those who don't know, what is sound healing? And why you don't like so much the term of sound healing? You prefer sound meditation. Yes. Good question. This practice is known out there as sound healing, sometimes sound bath and people use other terms to describe it. It all describes the same thing. Um, I do prefer to call it sound meditation, although it's not a term that I coined, it's been around. I found it to be more suitable, more descriptive to what's really happening. Because for me, words create reality. If we call it sound healing, then you go to the experience expected to be healed, but you don't know who's gonna heal you, the practitioner or the sound itself. There's no awareness on what you need to do. Sound bath doesn't mean much. You're bathing in sound. Sound meditation communicates a lot, communicates active participation, presence of the mind. You are doing something. Because healing, it puts the person in a passive mode in a way. Exactly. I believe in healing as an inner process. Another term that we use loosely is we call practitioners healers. But if we were to scrutinize whether they really heal or not, they more create the conditions for healing to happen. They create the experience, they give the tools and the knowledge of how to use the tools. They keep the person safe, working on track. They support, encourage, push. They, they have a vital role, but at the end, they're not healing. They're creating the conditions for healing to happen from within the person, but the person has to be present, attentive, and aware of what to do to create that healing, how to seek it or get out of the way to allow the self-healing process to take place as they work with it. So can you explain me the, the process of a good um, sound meditation? Mm -hmm. uh, people come to the experience and 
I talk for a certain length of time explaining concepts depending on the length of the experience. If the experience is longer, let's say four hours, I may talk for an hour to give them a lot of tools. If it's two hours, I will talk for half an hour. So there's plenty of material to cover 10 hours. And then I um, start with breath work to get them to disconnect from the habitual patterns and, and the cognitive loops, lying down, eyes closed, or they can choose to sit upright if you want, uh, doing diaphragmatic breathing exercises and followed by toning and vocalization to allow them to experience the power of their voice, and especially how the voice reverberates in the bone and tissue conduction, you know, flowing through the skull, the cheeks, the head, the neck, the chest, when lips are closed, this vibrational state is enormously powerful that can enhance the meditative state, help quieting the mind, especially if they're focused on the tone that they're creating, and feel and not just hear their voice, the sound, and that brings calmness. It's for the same reason when we're in pain, we moan and hum. That is soothing. It, it quiets things down. So I go with, with the physics aspect of what the voice is trying to do. And then from there onwards, I start playing instruments as they are focused on the sound of these instruments in, in a meditative way to go into a place of being, a place where they become disconnected from the monkey mind, from the awareness of the self, the egoic mind. It's called hypnagogic state, where the mind is awake, but there are no thoughts. It's probably the only time we're being a human being. Otherwise, we're human doings. We're always doing really, things. Really, yeah. Thinking and micro thoughts and you know, multitasking, even when we're sitting still, but there's a lot of activity in the head. I'm trying to alleviate him from this unnecessary waste of energy and, and being involved in things that create distress, create the complication in life and create a difficult inner world, which we project and becomes part of the outer world. How can your music help this to reach uh, more awareness during these sessions? Music is an enormously powerful tool, and that's why humans use it in all realms, in the religious, the shamanic, the traditional Eastern philosophies, the chants, and we use it in films, commercials, and stores, and weddings, and parties. And if it's not really important, we wouldn't use it. Humans are driven by intuitive intelligence, Why? Because it changes the way we're being. It evokes feelings and emotions, actions. Uh, we, it, this process is called entrainment. So let's say if we're sitting and we're in the presence of other people and having like a cocktail gathering, music is playing in the background and we're talking about light stuff, nothing serious. As we're talking, we become influenced by the music. After a while, you start to see people nodding their head, tapping the hand, the feet. That's entrainment. Uh, it means the music that they're listening to is changing how they feel inside. The physics of sound, acoustics, and all the attributes of what is part of the music is affecting how they're being on the mental, emotional, physical, energetic, and spiritual levels. The more attention they have to that music, the more they're being entrained. Like in churches and synagogues and mosques, they use music to help people go inward and feel God, experience God. Music in a film entrains you. It puts you in a different mood. So yeah. that's the function of music, that it changes our being. It helps us change our mind. So it's an influence. It's an influencer, and you can do so much with that if you know how to use it. It ends up by being the most powerful tool because it's everywhere, and it's the most popular, indispensable art. What's the mathematics <clears throat> behind this? 
and the science. Yeah. A big part of the intelligence behind sound, which is the power that music has, comes from something called the harmonic series. This is the place where the concept of harmony comes from. So the harmonic series is a series of infinite frequencies bound together by a series of infinite mathematical ratios. And humans who use sound for therapeutic modality anywhere in the world, whether in contemporary days or in ancient days, whether they're Aborigines in Australia who used didgeridoos and bull roarer seeking harmonics, or people who work with gongs, singing bowls, discs and bells, overtone singing, or people who create instruments with a certain buzzing mechanism that brings out the overtones or the rattling and shaking, like in shakers and rattles, percussion instruments. All of these things bring out the concealed aspect of harmony, the harmonic series. And the harmonic series exists because it gives us the quality, the different quality of the timbre or tone color. That's how okay. our voice is different from each other. Timbre creates a difference between the sound of a note, particular note played on a flute and another, the same note, same register note played on a violin or on a guitar. People recognize that it's different because of the harmonics. They color the sound. But you don't hear these harmonics. You think it's one note, but there are, there's predominantly one note that's called the fundamental frequency, and it's colored by these fine harmonics that give you a different quality of the note. This is what the harmonic series does. When we play these instruments that I mentioned earlier, gong, singing, yeah. we start to hear these overtones and we reawaken the self to harmony because we're being exposed to the mathematical constants that these frequencies are communicating and that causes us to be impacted by a sound of a singing bowl or a gong or a didgeridoo in a very different way. And we go inward, we become quiet, poised, calm, disconnected from the monkey mind and the more attention we give it, the more of grounding and recalibration, snapping into grid. And we go to a place where some people call it the sacred. Sacred. Which is disconnected from duality, going into non-dual, and we feel inner feeling presence of divine eventually in certain rituals and extended, and that doesn't come right away, of course. One has to give it some time and, and know how to do inner work. And in some cases, people use psychedelics to get to that state, like what we do in shamanism. Alexandre Tanous organized during harvest a sound meditation. During two hours, he guided 50 people, first explaining sound meditation and then playing the singing bowl set, chimes, large and small gongs, and a shruti box. It had a great impact on the people in Kaplankaya, knowing that they already had fans in the crowd. Uh, I had uh, some new sensations. Uh, I suddenly uh, saw uh, images from my childhood. It was, was really cool. I was sitting uh, in, in our living room when I was like uh, eight years old and I was playing the records of my father. I was playing like Elton John, Elvis Presley. And I don't know if that had to do with the, with the, with the music. I don't know, but it was really a, a, a beautiful moment being thrown back to my childhood. For me, <clears throat> sound and to be able to uh, bring the voice out 
um, understood that it's most important. And um, sometimes we need to practice more um, to take the boys out. And for me, uh, Alexander was one was sound, but again he made us to sing and to put the voice voice out of our body. And this is very important. I've uh, I've practiced with Alexander now maybe eight or nine times uh, longer sessions. So I'm a big uh, I'm a big fan of him already. I mean he is the master of sound, right? He literally is. And uh, uh, he, his ability to make you focus on your own internal struggles just by using sound and harmony is phenomenal. And uh, yeah, so wherever I see him, I go. If music can be relaxing, during these sessions, most of the participants want to reach a transcendental state. Is it like uh, often that you can reach some people would call them like uh, alternate state, but you prefer to call them non-ordinary states. Is it often to reach this state when you're doing uh, sound meditation? Yeah, you can reach them in a variety of different states, uh, different ways uh, to reach the same state. So with sound, sound and music, uh, they have clearly proven to us that this is the method that humans like to use the most to go into various states connected to the, to the indigenous setting for ceremonies for healing, transpossession, or the shamanic ceremonies, or religious ceremonies, or Eastern philosophies, they tend to take us to that altered state or non-ordinary state of consciousness, which we can achieve through various ways, dieting, sleep deprivation, dancing, chanting, doing breath work, exercising, making love. These are all ways of achieving a non-ordinary state of consciousness. Sometimes people call it psychedelic state, or, uh, you know, altered state. I like the term that Stan Groff coined is non-ordinary state. That means let's not make of it something too foreign. This is something that we seek, but it's not commonly achieved, but it's important for us. Do you come back changed after this experience? You're not the same Some person? Some people come back changed. Yes, absolutely. Depends on many variables of how they do the inner work, how they still the mind and become present to what this harmonic series exhibited in the instruments that are being used during the sound meditation experience with their attention, with their judicious listening, intentional, attentional. They're not going into it and hoping to be healed, but feeling harmony, reawakening to harmony, feeling how the mind quiets the noise and finds signal that's the inner work that is needed for a person to go into a deep, powerful state that can become a mystical experience that is far outside of the norm of what we normally experience. But it's an experience that awakens us, that is very, very valuable to us, that changes us forever. And one only needs to have one experience to be changed forever, which I've had multiple times. What was the um, major changes you had? And uh, what was... Uh yeah, the most uh, striking one for you. Was it the first one? The first one was when I started studying transcendental meditation at age 14. And I was 14? 14, Very yes. young. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I grew up in war-torn country, city, Beirut, Lebanon. So <laughs> that was an investment in my sanity. The first time I meditated with my teacher at the TM Center, he told me about what I need to do, gave me my mantra and and told me how to use it, and he started meditating next to me. And that first deep dive into the no-mind realm 
the beginner's mind, a place of just pure being with no thought, no judgment, no labeling. That was very, very profound, striking, because it was the first time I went there. It was not the most powerful, memorable, and intense I've had. Bigger ones came later on, but that was the first very significant one that I've never experienced my consciousness in such a unique way where it's not only novel, but deeply impressive, impactful, revealing, nurturing, and just astounding. And is it this experience that led you in the past at the... Definitely was a huge invitation and provided so much curiosity for what is out there. And my study of music as well enhanced so much this desire, my interest in the human condition and human suffering and esoteric knowledge and the nature of being and the nature of reality. All of these things started growing around that age. And the more I started learning about so many of these things, the deeper I went, the more interest and curiosity that has been going on increasingly with an accelerando and a a crescendo simultaneously that is still continuing to this day. And that led me to many, many discoveries and and experiences that changed my life and and caused me to create a practice from which I bring all of this to people. Uh, It's not just the research, but research where there's a practice that came out of the research. So something that we can apply and work with people with. The fact that uh, you were in Lebanon during the war, during a terrible situation, had an impact also on the, the power of your experience, you think? Yes, absolutely. Because I grew up in chaos and so much violence and I didn't have a normal childhood. The war broke out when I was nine and I lived through almost 14 years of war up until we immigrated to the States, my parents. So living, having to adapt to terror and and irrational situation where people kill each other for various reasons and then the insanity that humans are capable of even though humans are capable of amazing things that became deep curiosity for me why what happens then why do we do that if we're so perfect and so creative how do we derail to this level definitely the way i grew up impacted so much how i look at the world and what i research what i'm interested in and understanding as being an apprentice and student. And that drove me to learn a lot and a variety of different ways to see things differently. But ultimately what I'm trying to do is to provide to myself and others what I lacked growing up, harmony, inner peace, joy, love, and a sense of well-being and yeah, inner safety. Let's listen to Alexandre's music, especially one album in which he plays Himalayan singing bowls. Alexandre Thanos has studied music for many years. If music can have an amazing influence on people, I was curious to know how badly can the sound impact us? Alexandre is electronic music 
real music. <laughs> well, it is music, but it's a different manifestation of music and different uh, creation of music. While it can be beautiful, addictive, and highly desirable, and it moves people, at the end, this music, and, uh, and I'm being impartial here with no judgment, uh, I like to inform people and let yeah. people make their own decision, but I don't tell people what to do. I share with them how to do it best, and I don't tell them what to think. I yeah. share with them how to think for themselves and make choices. So electronic music is created with ones and zeros. It's digital. Um, it's very limited. Why is it limited? When you play an instrument, an acoustical instrument, the sound that comes out of the instrument is more sophisticated than the sound that comes out of computer or synthesizer with ones and zeros where the music is quantized. This creates quantization. This creates simpler mathematics that are part of the sound. Whereas when you play an acoustical instrument, the waveform, that's what we're talking about here, yeah. is the actual shape of the sound. The dimension is not just a two-dimensional or three-dimensional. It's more than that. It's more complex. And that complexity impacts our consciousness on the physical, mental, emotional, auditory, spiritual levels. and moves us to far greater states of being. Many things becomes a layer of complexity, not just the sound of the instrument, but the modes and the scales that I use. Are there scales that have been equal-tempered where the octave has been divided into 12 equidistant half steps, or where you can play on, on a violin between the notes because it's a fretless instrument. If you have guitar where you can play only this fret or that fret, or piano where there's this key and that key, but nothing in between. This nothing in between is the limitation. So there are many ways that can cause acoustical music to be far more impactful to our ears, the body, everything we are, than electronic music. And people have to be aware of that and learn more about it to make better choices or to listen to acoustical music and not just electronic music. Because even if we listen to something that uh, it's not good for us and something like the stuff we used to listen to when we were in our early teens, right? I don't want to name names here, but we, taste is related to experience, knowledge and understanding. So when you say music influences you, so you think like... <clears throat> Hard rock, for example, or death metal can um, encourage you to feel uh, angry? Or yes. yes. First, or it just evacuates. It has so a, certain, a way to evacuate your anger. It has a certain level of goodness in it, is that it allows the person to open up to something that they have within them and it's repressed. Yeah. And to feel it by being entrained by what they're listening to and to feel it and release it and let go of it. The problem is that they become attached to it and they only want to feel it again and again. Then it becomes negative entrainment. Okay. That keeps them in a state of perpetual addiction to something that's angry. Okay. This is not good. And that's not easy to talk about because people who love this music tell you that it does them good all the time. But no, this can also entrain you negatively and keep you in that state. The value is that to visit these things, learn, but also move on and use something different, a more healthy version of entrainment. Do you listen sometimes to um, cheesy <clears throat> songs, very emotional songs, when you're sad? I do listen to such songs, but not as cheesy as one. I like to listen <laughs> to the ones that can have far greater impact on me. Which such is, as? 
Well, you know, many of indigenous cultures or classical music, for example, that comes from Turkey, we're in Turkey here, Turkish classical music and Persian, Arabic, Armenian, North African, Central Asian, some Indian classical music, induce that feeling of yearning, of nostalgia and melancholy to allow the person to open up to the sadness and feel it. Because again, here with like what we're talking about with post-traumatic stress injury, we try to push something away. If we're feeling sad, we push it away. We don't allow ourselves to sit and listen. The reason why people listen to blues when they're sad is that it gives them the permission to open up to the sadness and feel it. Feeling it and going so deeply into it can allow the person to move beyond it because they have spent some time in the allowance to feel that sadness without wanting to push it away and get rid of it. Mourning is important after death of someone, allowing the person the self to feel the sadness and open up to it and not just handle it awkwardly and try to move beyond it very quickly, giving the time for the entrainment so that we don't hold on to it. If we hold on to it, then it's in the subconscious mind, which influences the conscious mind most of the time, a very high percentage. We need to deal with the material that we push into the subconscious mind and music is a great tool to help us deal with that meditation, contemplation, and in some cases also the use of music and psychedelics or sound and psychedelics together. This is the medicine of the future. This is absolutely... They go well together, music yes, and uh, psychedelics. This is what humans use to create shamanism. But there's lack of understanding because there's a lot of stories in shamanic societies, etc. But at the end, you have humans who are gravitating to use the two most powerful tools, Sound, when I say sound, chants, words, music is included, and psychedelics. And that helps us hack human consciousness in a way to do the healing, the revealing, the revitalization, rehabilitation, regeneration, allowing the self-healing process. That's at the end what's going on, as I understand it, having studied these things thoroughly, practiced them, received them, Sound meditation can be like um, an individual uh, journey, mm -hmm. but you studied music and music can also be like a um, community or a bring together experience also through the times. Um, music is always used in any form of uh, any gathering, any form of where you have an assembly group of people coming together. People are involved in praising God and traditional settings and indigenous settings and prayers and celebrations, all sorts of ceremonies, because community is something that exhibits a form of harmony, cohabitation, agreeing, tolerance, support, and sense of belonging together that connects people of certain ideology, race, culture, religion, all of these things. Unfortunately, quite often they're used to separate people, but they're trying to bring people together. And that's our ignorance that causes us to find systems that makes money, create systems that make money out of making people separate and disconnected. We're waking up to harmony. And uh, in this case, music 
brings people together. And why? Because the driving force behind it, harmony, comes from the harmonic series, which, as I said earlier, harmonic series is a series that has an infinite frequencies that exist in one system, bound together by a series of infinite mathematical ratios connecting these frequencies together. So the harmonic series can inspire us a lot in creating a more authentic harmony by understanding the bigger system that we come from, the cosmos, the logos, nature, and the forces in them. Did you ever meet people for some reason who cannot be penetrated by music, like who have an obstacle in front of music, of the sounds and everything? Can it they, yeah, there are some people, but that is because they are stuck in their mind and they don't have the tools to fathom in what's going on in the music. They don't know what to make out of it. They hear it like you and I, but their processing is not the same. Their absorption and their fathoming and allowing the music that has an ethos to create pathos within us. And that's how this process creates reality, whether it's words or music. Everything that we say has an ethos, distinguishing quality, character, personality. When we hear it, it creates an inner reality. And this is how sound becomes God. Sound creates reality. Yeah. Alexandre, we'll finish with the last question, uh, the same question that I'm uh, asking to all the guests. It's um, the harvest of the day. If something could be done, easy or simple, that would make the world a better place, what would it be for you? It's hard to pick one. I'm going to pick two. <laughs> <laughs> you can. You have okay. the choice. <laughs> Listen to good music and learn about what, what is good music and learn, learn about music. Listen to something different what you listen to, discover new things, and you'll be guided by an inner process within you that would get you to discover more and more of where music can take you and how it can impact you. And it changes the wiring in the brain. That's what deep listening does or playing instrument. The other one, I would say, go inwards, develop spiritual practice, meditate. The answers are within. And that's what we need to do, is to change the way we create this reality and resort to more uh, connection to the heart, to the healthy side of the feminine, compassion, empathy, kindness, love, intuition, imagination, inspiration. And these are the things we find when we quiet the busy mind and go inwards and do inner work and become involved in authentic spirituality and these practices to sculpt the self and tune the self. Music can still be involved, of course, there is. You can combine them together. Even better? Even better. Yeah. Combine all the tools that works together, the most powerful tools. Yeah. Thank you very much, Alexandre, for being with us. Thank you. Pleasure, Rose. I hope you enjoyed this episode and Alexandre Tanou's explanation about what is sound healing and the impact the sounds can have on us. If you did, please leave us a good review and follow us on Instagram Harvest Series. Next episode will be with Bibi Brovska. She will be talking about orgasms and they are plenty of types. Until next time. Mm -hmm.